0: A friend of mine is writing a biography, but one thing I noticed he did, which is what good biographers do, he didn't start with the guy. He started with not the subject of the book, but his parents, and gave a little background where he came from. Well, that's what Matthew does. He says, let me tell you about the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and then he identifies him as the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew opens with the birth of the son of David king. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews, wise men say. We've come to worship the king of the Jews. That's how Matthew begins, chapter 2, and Matthew closes with the sacrifice of a substitute
1: dying in my place. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. We're excited today to begin a new study in the Gospel of Matthew, Pastor Scott brings an introductory message titled, Behold Your King. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: We're going to start Matthew. Turn, uh, if you've got that New Testament that you grabbed back there, you can just turn to page one, I assume. I don't know what page it's on, but it's the first, the first book of the New Testament. And uh, each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give a unique perspective of Jesus, they're not carbon copies. We wouldn't need four if it was just four perfectly similar accounts. No, but they they perfectly harmonize. But it's you can compare it to looking uh, if you came upon a, a cabin in the woods that you'd never been inside, and it had a window on the west and one on the east. And actually, one on the north and the south, too. Why, you could look in the interior of that one-room cabin, and you'd see a great picture of what's in there from the east. You'd get a little bit different one from the west. And you'd get even a richer one as you went north and south. And that's kind of the way Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are. And if you haven't been enthralled with Jesus and... I'm well aware, you know, we just, we're just here at the art museum and you might be saying, well, I'm checking this out, but uh, I'm glad you're here. And I am thrilled to say that we're going to be looking at Jesus Christ from uh, a little bit of north, south, east, west, but mainly I haven't figured out which one Matthew is north. We'll just call him that for now. Uh, We're going to look in and see Jesus in the book. Of Matthew. and uh, So let me just kind of wet your appetite that way. You know, the Bible is made up of what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, and about two-thirds or maybe even three-quarters of the Bible was written before Christ. It's Jewish in nature. It's pointing to Christ. In fact, Malachi put his pen down. The, the Old Testament was complete 400 years Before Christ. And uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, is full of prophecies about this coming one. He is the coming king. He's the coming sacrifice. He is the coming Messiah, you know, the deliverer. And uh, just just glance with me at verse 1 of Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, I'll tell you, we're going to see it very clearly. Matthew is a Jewish gospel, okay? He's writing to a Jewish audience. Uh, But Jesus Christ is not only king of the Jews, he's savior of the world, And so we're going to see how these things interrelate. As we look at Matthew, you've got to, to understand it. And I want to say Jew or Gentile, I don't care your background today, Jesus Christ came for you and me. Uh, God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. But we will see the Jewish flavor of Jesus. And when you hear the term David or Abraham, you might be Gentile enough, you don't even realize that's very Jewish. (laughs) Son of David? The son of David was who? A king, Solomon. And in fact, he gave promises to David that he'd have a king on the throne forever. And he was the king of Israel that they look back. When we landed, uh, left JFK and landed in Tel Aviv, uh, I, most of the plane, I was one of the few Gentiles, you know. Most of the plane was Jewish, I think, uh, and when we landed, I remember the music came on and everybody sang a song that I don't know much Hebrew, but I could tell it had King David in there, you know, and, uh, and so those are the two words I could sing, David and Melech, you know, but, uh, you know, David speaks of king, the son of David, king, the son of Abraham, Abraham took his son Isaac up on a mountain to give him as a sacrifice. His only son. Take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and sacrifice him. Now, I hasten to tell you, I hasten to say quickly because we're... we're You know, typically we're kind of biblically illiterate as uh, 21st century Portlanders, but uh, Abraham didn't sacrifice his son. God stopped him. God didn't intend to have him sacrifice his son, but he took him up there on the mountain telling him, take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and offer him up. And of course, if you know the Bible, if you know the history of of, of the world, if you know the The story of the Bible, this is a picture of God giving his son, his only son, the son whom he loved for us. And Isaac, he received him back, the New Testament says, uh, from the dead because he was as good as dead. I mean, Abraham had raised his knife and God stopped him. And then Abraham saw a ram in a thicket and there was a substitute. And so you have two pictures in one chapter in the book of Genesis of Jesus Christ. Uh, The sacrifice, I should have died. The wages of sin is death. I deserve to die. A substitute died in my place. There was a sacrifice. Well, Matthew begins by saying, I'm going to give you the background, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. A friend of mine is writing a biography of a friend, of another friend, and actually uh, I got to read before it got published, I got to read the first, you know, 14 chapters, and I was thrilling, I could barely put it down, but one thing I noticed he did, which is what good biographers do, he didn't start with the guy, he started with... not the subject of the book, but his parents, and gave a little background where he came from. Well, that's what Matthew does. He says, let me tell you about the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and then he identifies him as the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I'll just say this. Matthew closes, well, Matthew opens with the birth of the son of David, a king. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews, wise men say? We've come to Worship the king of the Jews. That's how Matthew begins, chapter 2. And Matthew closes with the sacrifice of a substitute, dying in my place. So, uh, we want to look at Matthew. Now, I'm, I'm doing a little what I said. I'm giving you some background before we get into it. We're not actually going to get much into the text, although I want to show you a few things Uh, about it today to just whet your appetite, and I would encourage you to be reading it. Uh, As I said, one of the reasons I believe the Bible to be God's Word is because it speaks like no other book. It tells events out. I said they stopped writing 400 years before Christ. The main subject of their prophetic topic was Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, and these Hebrew prophets wrote many, many prophecies, and there are four striking prophecies that I want to just draw your attention to, and they all begin with this word: "Behold, behold." Isaiah forty-two one says, "Behold, my servant." Zechariah six twelve says, "Behold, the man." Isaiah 40 says, Behold your God. And Zechariah 9, verse 9 says, Behold your King. And what you have in those four simple statements Behold my servant. That is the emphasis of the Gospel of Mark. He's the servant of the Lord. If you read Mark, you would see that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Just to contrast them. Behold the man. I'm teaching. In fact, uh, we're getting toward the end of, of teaching and preaching through Luke in, our, in our, the church that I pastor. And uh, we've been seeing his humanity. He is the perfect man through Luke. And Zechariah's prophecy, Behold the Man, uh, corresponds with Luke. Isaiah 40, verse 9, Behold your God. That's the gospel of John. Mark, he's the servant. Luke, he's a man. John, he's God. And finally, Zechariah 9, 9, Behold your king. That's Matthew, the king of the Jews. Now, we'll see that all the way through but uh, I want to just kind of point it out to you because the whole burden of the Old Testament was there's this coming king, this coming king, and he will bruise the serpent's head as he bruises his heel. He'll be a man. Uh, He'll be the seed of the woman, Genesis 3 says, and he will crush the head of the serpent with his heel. Uh, He will be royal. Genesis 49 says he will reign He will reign. The scepter will not depart from the tribe of Judah and the ruler's staff from between his feet. God specifies this coming one and he tells David, your son, your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, as you look at the Old Testament, David had a great kingdom. Solomon expanded it even a bit more and then it began to deteriorate. Rehoboam, his grandson, it split up, you know, the north and the south. And from then on, it just seemed to dwindle. And yet, the Old Testament says that God says, I've established my king. Psalm 2. Uh, Be ready for the coming of the king, the king of glory. Who is the king of glory? The 24th Psalm asks. The Lord, mighty in battle. He is the king of glory for that reason I think uh, Matthew because the Old Testament has pointed us in this direction I feel like Matthew is the perfect connection between Old and New Testament and I'm not saying that the order of the books is uh, inspired by God you know but I'm telling you it's I'm glad it's the first one <laughs> between the end of the Old Testament and understanding the New Testament. Matthew is the Jewish gospel. And so let me just give you a few thoughts. Turn to chapter 9. Let me just comment a little bit, and then next time we'll get into it in more detail. We'll jump right into the text. But first I want to talk about the author. I usually want to know who wrote what I'm reading. And uh, sometimes I'll just Google them, you know, and just say, hey, who is this guy? Uh, if, I, if I'm not familiar with the author, we don't know a whole lot about Matthew. Uh, we know that he was uh, hated because he was a tax collector. And I can say that without fear, huh? How many of you, your best friend is at... Ta- no, I won't go there. Tax collector... Oh, there's a guy that works for the IRS here. But I'm sorry. But, you know, they're usually not the most loved person. And in that culture, they were known for corruption. They were known for sin because they were sort of, they made their living by taking what Rome demanded. Israel was under the heel of Rome and Rome could ask for whatever it wanted and it did. But the tax collector could actually skim off the top too, get what Rome wanted plus. And they did and they were rich usually. And so they were hated, and we know that much about him because Matthew 9, verse 9, Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax office. And we know from uh, the other Gospels that he wasn't just sitting in somebody else's office. This was his office. Uh, And he said to him, follow me. Jesus Christ said to this tax collector, follow me. By the way, he's still saying that. Today, to you and me, I am happy to tell you I'm a Christ follower, and I hope you are too. But if you're not, I would encourage you. He calls you to follow him. Well, he said, follow me, and he rose and followed him. And it happened, and I'll just stop there, because you notice how the text just moves on. Uh, Matthew might have been hated, and I'm sure he was, because I'll read the text here in a minute. But uh, he doesn't say much about himself. He just says he called, and he doesn't say me. He says he called Matthew to follow him, and Matthew did. He rose and followed him. When I go to Luke, I read, and I see the humility of Matthew. I read from Luke's account that Matthew left everything and followed him. And Matthew's first event was he invited all his friends to a banquet at his house. And when you come to know Jesus Christ, I don't know how much input he'd had from Christ, but when he was called to follow him and he made the decision to follow Christ, he wanted others to know him. And he invited his friends. And he doesn't mention that. He just says it this way. Look back at our text, verse 10. It happened that as he was reclining at table in the house... Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. Well, that was Matthew's house. He'd invited them over. you got to meet this guy. And he invited them over. And when the Pharisees, the religious leaders, saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It was a scandal for a religious leader to eat with, associate with, sinners. And uh, when Jesus heard this, verse 12, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. He quotes from the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 6. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, I hate to just drop that because... but. But I will just say that is so good to see that Matthew writes into the account that when all the sinners, the open sinners, started to collect with Jesus, he was criticized for it, and he said, listen, the doctor doesn't go to the well people, he goes to the sick people. And Jesus Christ didn't come to this world for people that have their act all together and don't need anything. And by the way, I don't know anybody like that. I know people that act like that. You do too. Uh, and they seem, they can fool me. Man, no, oh, they've got it all made. But when I get to know them, hmm. no, he came for people like you and me. We might have good jobs. I hope you do. We might have thriving businesses. I hope you do. But uh, we need, we, we've we got, the Bible says, we've got, we're sick. <laughs> uh, there's something wrong with us and we need a physician and I start the book of Matthew by pointing out that Jesus, when he called Matthew, he was calling a guy who was an open sinner, uh, was a byword for sinners, tax collector. He might have been rich. He might have been in all the right clubs and had the right car, etc. But, you know, he needed a Savior, and Jesus knew it, and so did Matthew. And uh, right here in the text, we're told that he came for people like that. Well, he was probably hated. He was definitely humble. He kept himself in the background. And you'll see as you read it, and I just note these things because I emphasize the divine authorship of the Bible. God wrote this book. But you'll see the human side. When Luke wrote his account, he was a MD. And so you find medical stuff in there that you wouldn't find in Mark or John. And Matthew, he's a tax collector. And so let me just, I kind of think it's kind of fun. Look over at 17. Uh, He talked quite a bit about money, (laughs) you know, and even uses terms that nobody else used. Uh, When they'd come to Capernaum, verse 24, those who collected the two drachma tax came to Peter. I mean, a tax collector, he knows all about the taxes, (laughs) you know. And he mentions this. None of the other Gospels mention this. And they didn't even use that, you won't even find drachma anywhere else in the Bible. And, uh, you know, we'll get there, so I won't read the whole account, but uh, they came asking him about this tax, and Jesus did an amazing miracle and provided uh, in the mouth of a fish as Peter went down to the sea a notice, look at it, verse 27. Uh, go down there, throw your hook in, and when you take it out, you'll have a fish, and in your in its mouth, you will find a stater or a shekel. And again, none of the other Gospels even use this term, but Matthew, being a tax collector, he knew that, you know, he used that kind of language. And uh, into chapter 18, he talks about uh, talents and the debt of 10,000 talents. And the other Gospels don't even mention that. So it'd be like if you talk to a tax guy, you'll hear stuff you wouldn't hear from other people because they're interested in that. And God used that human side of things with all the, all the authors of the Scripture. So that's the author. We don't know a whole lot about him. We know he was a follower of Jesus. He's listed in all the lists of the disciples. He was one of the twelve. Uh, you'll see him in connection with Bartholomew. That's about all I can say. He'll say Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, and each list, they're kind of, I wouldn't be surprised they were friends, uh, you know, like we would, when we name 12 people, we'll have certain associations we think of that way. He wrote it probably before the destruction of Jerusalem, so I would guess... uh, before A.D. 70. It could have been the first gospel. We don't really know. But I want to come back and just, uh, because to me it's very motivating. Let's see if I have time. I'll be very brief. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four four accounts. Behold the king, Zechariah 9.9. Behold my servant, Isaiah 42.1. Behold the man, the man. Zechariah 6, 12, and behold your God, the gospel of John. Matthew, he's the king. Mark, he's the servant. Luke, his perfect humanity. And John, his deity. Uh, You'll find in Mark, his humility is emphasized. In Luke, his humanity. In John, his deity. But in Matthew... His sovereignty. He's the king. He's the king, and you'll see his sovereignty. Let me illustrate it, uh, and I think these things you know, can be helpful. In Mark, you're talking about a servant. He was writing to a Roman audience. Do you care about the pedigree of a slave? No. So there's no genealogy in Mark. He doesn't even tell you. He just gets into it. In Luke, he's writing of the perfect man. So if you go to Luke 3, his genealogy will be not back to Abraham or David. It'll go back through David and Abraham. But it'll go all the way back to where? Adam. Because Jesus is human.
1: listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Behold Your King, a message from our new study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you don't have a church home in the area, we'd like to invite you to join us in our outdoor summer services. Coming this August 20th, join us for our Kids' Carnival. We'll fill the field with booths and games and other outdoor fun all designed for your kids' enjoyment. The event begins at 4.30 p.m., followed by our outdoor evening service at 6. For more information about the Kids' Carnival, go to our website at swbible.org. Or you can call the church at 503-524-7000. We hope to see you there. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. Recently, we've added the countries of Guinea, Mali, Togo, and Ivory Coast to the ever-expanding outreach of the project. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to RomansProject.org or connect with us at Facebook.com RomansProject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: The Bible is the book. And uh, it begins here with this significant genealogy divided into three sections. And it's a sweeping, it's a sweep of Israel's history from Abraham, when the nation was called out in Genesis 12, to David, when the kingdom began. And from the kingdom to when it crashed. And Babylon came in, and they were deported to Babylon, the deportation, you know, those three eras. What we've got here in these first six verses, interestingly enough, four women are mentioned before we even get to Mary, four women. Now, that's surprising because that wasn't the Jewish way to do it. You mentioned the men. And in fact, in ancient history, that's the way it was. But... God mentioned four women and every one of them uh, are an
1: outcast of one sort or another. Join us again next time as we continue our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled The Genealogy of the King. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.